Hey party people, how's it going? It's your boy DJ Fernando G and welcome to the first edition of DJ to DJ. And basically this is just a little uh, platform where we're going to be talking to some seriously experienced DJs uh, who can give you some great helpful tips. And my first guest today is a legend here in Southern California. We're talking about Joe Casillas, DJ Joe MD, back in the day, a.k.a. Midnight Desire. Welcome, brother. How are you, man? Wonderful, wonderful. Glad to be here, Fernando. DJ to DJ. All right. I, I like it. Yeah, it, it was funny because, you know, I even reached out to you for the name of, of, of what I wanted to call this. I wasn't too sure, you know, um, what to name it. And I just said, you know what? DJ to DJ, you know, because we're going to be talking to DJs, so why not? I'm a DJ, you're a DJ, hey. <laughs> so tell me, Joe, um, let's talk a little bit about how you got started in DJing. You know, I mean, obviously today these DJs, uh, they don't have the struggles that you and I had back in, in the day. You know, we're talking oh. 70s, 80s, you know. Tell us a little bit how you got started. What motivated you to to become a DJ? Well, um, I got motivated because let me kind of rewind back to the 70s. I was going to uh, college in Phoenix and I was going to all the nightclubs. At that age, I was 19 years old to, to get into the clubs. So I just listening to the music, the vibe, and just the mixing, just, I mean, it was just motivating. Uh, I started off as a dancer and basically when I graduated, what happened is um, I joined a dance team. And in one of the pictures I, I sent you, uh -huh. you see myself, my wife, and a couple of friends. And we were basically dancing, you know, the circuit, going to all the clubs. And right. we had this thing going on. And just the continuous of the music, it just loved it. So the guy that actually created the dance team, his name was Tony Trevera. Uh, and he was from New York. He had a little mixer and a turntable. And one time he just basically said, hey, Joe, I need you to put the music on so we can basically uh, go ahead and practice and then we're gonna go and do some shows. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of my first uh, hands-on on a mixer and a turntable. And let me tell you, when I was holding that needle, I was just like, <laughs> and, and, I just, <laughs> and I dropped it and it goes, clink, clink, clink. <laughs> So that was my first experience. That is so funny, man. Because <laughs> when you when you, that you mentioned that, I got I got to tell you this real quick. The, the needle thing, the very uh -huh. first time, and it, it might have been your sound system that I spun on, on at the Casa Camino Real here in downtown okay. Los Angeles, and it was my first time. And this was probably like my biggest event to date. Um, and I was so nervous, and I, I pulled a uh, 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 one of those. My my hand was like like this, and the and the and the needle, and it just dropped it, you know, boom, and in my headphones, like I hear, and I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> so funny, hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that was my first first experience uh, actually touching, and then what happened is I actually got married in '78. Mm -hmm. My wife Jean. And uh, from there, the DJ that did my wedding was Johnny Martinez. He was the lead singer of uh, Ruben and the Jets. Okay. And I asked him, hey, John, would you mind if I joined you? And, and I want to learn how to do this because it's, it's exciting. You know, I love it. So he uh, basically, I tailed him for three months, no pay, you know, and 
He said, Joe, the most important thing is know your music. Because as a musician, you have to listen to a song, and not just once, but possibly as many as 10 times to really understand the structure of the, the song. Right. As, the other thing that's important is that you need to be good on the microphone. You need to be able to announce you know, who you are because there's going to be a come, come time where you're going to do an event, a wedding or uh, a social event, and you're going to have to be able to basically talk on the microphone. So those are the two things that he emphasized that I learned. He didn't talk about mixing right. or anything. He said, learn your music, learn how to talk on the microphone. So I went with him for three months, bought my own equipment, and it was funny because I went to, do you remember a place called Music Plus? Yes, yes. It was off, it was off Atlantic in yep. LA. I bought my first mixer, which was a Newmark 1100, and my first turntable, which was uh, the Techniques. It was the first one with the little knobs. So it didn't have the, uh, the slider or wasn't a 1200. So this is going back to the belt-driven turntable. Yeah, yeah. You remember that? So oh, yeah. It was hard to mix with that thing because the belt. Yeah, you would hold the record, and the second you let it go, it would take off. <laughs> so the belt during turntable was a you know, pain in the neck, but you know what? That's, that's what we got started with. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's, that's how I kind of started. With very cool, very cool. So um, as far as like beat mixing, when would you say that you you really started to nail it and you know like you know some of us like i, mean, I remember i just used to cut from one song to the other try to right. get it on beat but i wasn't actually mixing when i very first started so how did you learn to beat mix so i had already understood the structure of music how to break it down mm -hmm. by four eight sixteen beats but really where i learned um was back in the day when i was going to all the clubs in phoenix arizona I would hear these guys mix. I really didn't get it until I went to Circus Disco mm. and I heard uh, Trip mixing there and the guy was phenomenal. I went up to the booth and I was just like blown away. I looked at his turntables and they were the uh, Techniques digital turntable. They were the 1500s. But mm -hmm. so you remember that the, they were before the 1200s. Yes. They were quartz driven. Uh, but they were uh, an LED type where you see the display. So you can adjust it up and down. And those are the first turntables that I saw. And I said, I've got to have them. So uh, ironically, I bought bought a couple. They were $800 a piece. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> back in that time, it was, that was a lot of money. Yeah, back in those days. But the reason I was able to afford it is because when I went to school in Phoenix, I uh, became an engineer, technician, and eventually an engineer. So that's a, that's what I did. Uh, you know, and I good for had you. a good job. I was working for Hughes Aircraft, with you know, all the radar systems. Wow. So I was making good money. Good for so you. I could buy basically anything I wanted. And uh, that's how I learned how to beat mix from listening to, you know, trip at the Circus Disco. Nice, nice. So as far like like right now that you mentioned uh, – your engineering background how did your engineering background help you with you know uh, with djing and you know what was it that because i mean like we're gonna look at some pictures right now of your setups and we're talking back in, in the early 80s um you were literally a pioneer of massive setups you know stuff that we would see at concerts 
uh, you were the first, and I think the only DJ back in the 80s that I saw fly his speakers. And for those of you that understand sound, when you're at a concert, you see the speakers raised up in the air. Well, Joe Casillas was doing that with trussing, built homemade trussing, if I recall correctly. I mean, uh, how, so how did that all come into play? So back in the day, um, it was very important because of the speakers. What would happen is you put them on the floor, people would dance. So the people in the back, you couldn't lift it would just, vroom, vroom, vroom. you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yep, they yep. So at that point, I had to make a decision. And I said, you know what? I got to buy some speakers because what happened is when I originally started, I started with a friend of mine called Michael Barrows. And we started with Electro Boy Century 4s. Okay. And if anybody knows the Electro Boy Century 4s, what they did is they basically did the high-end speakers the horns, they were actually installed in Circus Disco, mm. along with a lot of other nightclubs. So that was, that was like, oh, I got to have that. Right, right. Because it sounds great. So here we are taking these Century 4s in the beginning, where most of the DJs were bringing home their home speakers and just basically putting them on the floor. And what would happen is anybody that would stand in front of them, guess what? The sound would get muffled. Yep. So at that point, I had to say, you know what? I got to design something to elevate my speakers. So I basically looked around, being an engineer at that time, I said, I got to buy, buy some speakers that I can put off axis. In other words, rather than vertical, put horizontal. So when I found the, uh, there were the Century, uh, not the Century Ford, they were the Dominators from Electro Voice. Electro Voice Dominator. And how those differ is they were the, they had the base cabinet inside, but the horn, was straight up. So I thought, you know what? Let me put that on the side. That way I can have an even flow. So I had my neighbor, I designed some trusting or some fans. Basically they were nine feet high, 90 degree. If you can just imagine they were, <laughs> yeah. they were iron type of welding. Yeah, yeah. Stuff together, <laughs> nine feet in the air, 30 degrees with some uh, bars so the the speaker wouldn't fly, slide off. Right, right. So I had four of these basically strategically planned, you know, two in the middle and two on the sides to cover the entire dance floor, and then my base cabinets on the side. Wow. That's wild. So I, I never knew Fernando at the time, you know, whoever, who would ever thought of putting speakers on stands? I'm telling you, you were the only one that I saw. And it's funny because, you know, our story and how we met is, is quite, kind of unique. And, and I'm, I'm telling you, I know that back in the day, we, we didn't meet. We didn't meet until the uh, actually early 2000s. That's when you right. and I met personally. We became friends and all. But, you know, I knew of you uh, and your amazing sound systems, you know, growing up and stuff and, and DJing all the, the halls out here, you know, you know, Casa Camino, you know, the bell, all these, you know, Kennedy Hall, you know, everybody knew Joe Midnight Desire and, 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 and the sound that you would provide. It was incredible. And not to mention the lighting and stuff. But um, in and back in early 2000, I was working on air at Vivo 107.1 Latin station here in Southern California. And um, you were spinning at the Roomba Room at the Universal City Walk. So the radio station worked out a deal uh, for us to broadcast live there. And that's where I met you. And we became friends ever since, you know, and it wasn't until 
literally probably like about a, a, a year later was that, that I realized, oh my God, this is Joe Midnight Desire. You know, I was like, we were already hanging out and chatting and, you know, swapping music and stuff like that. And then I realized who he was and I was like, my God, this guy was like, you know, he's a pioneer. He's an idol, man. And it's like, this guy's awesome. And and I mean your your mixing talent is is incredible as well and 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 you know throughout the years now, you you were also another person that, that originated something else which was bringing drum machines and keyboards to your DJ gigs back in the early eighties. How'd yeah. you come up with that one? Well, having a musical background, let me kind of go back. If you remember when you were a little kid. Uh, and I'm talking about nine or ten years old. What would you do? You would play records, right? Right. Yeah. Well, I would go to visit my family in El Paso, Texas, and rather than play records, we all get together in the backyard and play instruments. So here we are singing. Nice. <laughs> nice. My uncles were playing guitars. My dad was playing guitar, and we'd be playing like Rancho Grande and singing. <laughs> so for us, we didn't have records. We basically were playing, you know, musicians. So I grew up in a musical kind of environment. My cousins were, were musicians. My, my mother cousin, uh, Vicky Carr, which became an international world-renowned singer. Really? Yeah, oh, Carr. my. Yeah, and I got a story about Vicky Carr to share with you when you're done with this segment. Go, go for it, dude. Oh, my gosh. So that was my basically my influences when I was growing up. My dad said, you know what? You've you got to learn an instrument. And so I said, what do, you, what do you think? And I go, well, I don't know, Dad. He goes, let me get you an accordion. I go, an accordion? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, that's got to be the most difficult instrument that you have to play because it has two, you know, your keys yeah. on the left and then your keyboard on the right. And then you've got to put it in, you know. Yeah, let the air get through to, to make it sound. <laughs> so I, took, I took lessons with that and I said, oh my God. And eventually bought a piano and then I started playing a little bit of piano. So that's how I kind of basically became, uh, you know, more inclined with the music. Because I think, I, I personally think any DJ out there, and this is for the newbies, mm -hmm. should learn music structure. Mm -hmm. They should, you know, take a class, go to college, take a three-month you know, course yes. on musical structure, the format. That way you'll understand it better and you could comprehend and say, okay, that's why they put that together. Exactly. So when you want to go into the production aspect of it, you understand the basics, you know, because there's a formula, you know, A, B, A, B, you know, is, what is it? Chorus, vocals, chorus, vocals. Yeah. And if you want to go ahead and put a bridge, then you basically, that's A, B, C. There you go. There you go. <laughs> you have to understand your music. Exactly. And it's interesting that, that you that you say that because I, I've, I've heard a lot of DJs um, they, they, they beat me mix great, but many times you'll run into a situation where even though it's the, the beats are on and sync and stuff, it's like, it's not going good with the ear and, and the melodies seem to be clashing and stuff. Oh yeah. That's yeah. like, hitting, that's like on the piano, that's like playing key and hitting the wrong key. Exactly. You know, people pick it up. You, yeah. you may not realize it, but people will pick it up like, Oh, it yeah. does. Yeah, and you're sitting there going like, ah, oh, okay, you know, and and I mean like people like you and I that you know our our ears are 
trained now, you know. I mean, we hear when, when a DJ is slightly off, it's like, uh-oh, 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 you know, speed it up, speed it up, slow it down, you know. and Or right. when those melodies are clashing and stuff. But it's like you say, you know, people do do see that. You know, I mean, there's times, you know, and, you know, no DJ is perfect. Everybody has their little, you know, their little glitches from time to time. And I've had those mixes where, you know, I might have done the same mix a million times, but then there's that one night where I just happened to get it wrong, you know, and it, it doesn't sound right, you know, and people will literally like look, you know, like that, that, that don't sound right, you know, and they'll, they'll kind of stop dancing. And, but you're right, people pick up on those things. <laughs> it's funny, crazy, crazy, crazy. So um, we're, we're going to look at a picture right now. And I don't know if, if this was your studio or what, but it's like it looks like a boatload of drum machines. And, and you know, you got this wall of equipment. What's this all about? Talk, talk, talk to us about that. Okay, so let me see the picture real quick. You, oh, you may got to show the picture? Or? It, it, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll post it up in, in post. Okay. <laughs> so back in 84, I want to say I became more influential in the music background mm -hmm. and the structure. So I, I started buying keyboards and drum machines. And I started actually learning more and more how to play music and put rhythms together. So I would... Ironically, I was have my little studio, and I said, you know what? Why don't I take this out to a couple of gigs of mine? So what happened is I went ahead and took my drum machines. I built this little setup, took my drum machines and my keyboards and the sampler and pocket pads. I was uh, doing events at like Rock in the 80s at the mm -hmm. time, Michaels and uh, Brandy's. And all these other guys, you know, DJs were like, holy crap, what is this guy doing? <laughs> You know, so ironically, here I would be playing these beats, and I mean, they were matching my music, my blends perfectly, and they were like, they couldn't understand it. But this is back in 84. Mm -hmm. So if you couldn't understand that, back then, with the synthesis, the drum machines actually playing with the drums to the music, people were just like, like wow, this guy that's is cool. like, this time. Cool. <laughs> and and that's, that's so funny because now... Um, we have companies that now will provide percussionists, right. violinists, keyboardists to play along with the music that you're spinning. And you were doing this, you know, ages ago, you know, so it's like and, and, and you were a one man show because now you got D, a DJ spinning. You got a, a drummer over here. You got a violinist over here and a keyboardist over there. And, and you got like a full little band going on. But you were doing this by yourself. You were spinning and you would turn and start working the drum machines and overlaying some keys on top of a song, you know, back in the day. I mean, that's just freaking awesome, bro. I mean, it was amazing. I mean, just, you know, oh, people yeah. were blown away. They, they uh, you know, I would take samples like uh, Baby Girl Love Night. Mm -hmm. And I would play, play that sample and then I would loop it. And then I would change the key up and down and, you know, mix that stuff. And people were like, what the hell is this? doing remixing on the fly, man. It was, it, was, it was crazy because you know me, Fernando. I've always been humble. Yeah. You know, when I met you, I mean to say, hey, I'm in that desire. Yeah, no, and I, that's what I appreciated about you, brother, is that you're just, <laughs> this guy has got the biggest heart. And I mean, just uh, seriously an amazing fellow, man. Thank you. But it was, it was crazy because I'd have all these people around me, surround me. And I'll just be doing my thing, and I just turn around like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's wild. 
you dude you i mean you were a superstar man and that's why it was like like i'm telling you when when i found out who you are and i think i came up to you at the, at the club one night and i said why didn't you tell me you were joe midnight's desire? <laughs> you know, i was like you know i was like oh, i don't know i just you know it's just one of those things but i mean so let's talk about you know it's interesting how you were doing the sampling back then now we got controllers with all this stuff built in and this right. is this is what what i wanted to get out you know for like djs that are out there you know i mean we went through a lot of you know pain you know i mean literally for hauling these big ass speakers i mean oh. we're talking the big old sherman vegas the you know i mean just massive bass bottoms mids high ends and i remember high ends being huge as well and the lighting being so heavy and having to carry you know milk crates of records what what would you say the biggest difference is now, you know, when it comes to sound equipment, what, what is it that you love most about today's equipment as opposed to back in the day? Well, there's two different things, Fernando. The equipment from back in the day is more vintage. Um, there was a really good stuff and there was the okay stuff. Um, I've always been a JBL or Electric Voice fan, so that's that's what I've always done. And you'll probably see a couple of pictures where I did the bass cabinets and then more bass cabinets and pyramid style. Yep. yep. Um, so for me, it was very important to have that. Now you can basically get the speakers. They're more efficient. They're probably a, a thousand times more efficient as far as the bass, mids, and highs. So you can literally take two 18-inch bass cabinets, and they will outperform four of back in the day. Mm -hmm. If you can kind of put that together. But yeah. again, before, we used to carry these massive amps that weighed about 80 pounds of press. Yep. And you can just imagine taking that stuff, and we would go upstairs you know, there, there were no elevators. Yep. We would carry this shit upstairs, base cabinets and everything. You know, two guys literally carrying this stuff upstairs. We're young. I mean, nowadays, we're like, oh, my God. Yeah, Can right. And it's funny. <laughs> and, and people always ask, why, why do you have so many back problems if you only knew, right? <laughs> yeah, I got a good, a good back. Right. <laughs> Probably back in the day. Yeah. But, again, the equipment, you know... From back in the 70s, 80s, and now has just progressed. The technology yeah. is just getting gotten to the point where, like, oh my God, you know, what is next? Yeah. But the efficiency on the speakers then and now. Now, mind you, setting up all that stuff, because I would do these, these big parties for Brandy's, Rock of the 80s, Michael's, the Quiet Cannon, all the lighting, the sound, and everything, it would literally take me four hours wow wow and i would i would basically take my brother-in-law and another person that would be it wow really three of you three of us but we had it down i mean we had it down yeah you had to have you had to be efficient yeah at that time when you when, when the when they said okay the party is over it's two o'clock right and you're there till five six o'clock in the morning Chances are they're not going to hire you again. They yeah. say, but we can't have that. So you had to be efficient in what you did. Yeah. So you had to, you know, after you're done, load that stuff up, break it down. Within an hour, you're gone. Wow. Wow. 
And this was, I mean, like we're, we're, we're going to see some pictures here of, of your setup back in the day when you were talking about the pyramid speakers and stuff like that. It was a lot of equipment. I mean, because like the Rock of the 80s, I mean, you would do these things at the Pico Rivera Sports Arena over here. And, and we're talking thousands of people. And it was, you know, pretty intense. You know, the sound, the, the punch that you, that you guys used to have was just incredible. The light shows. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but but did you you also build some some lighting yourself? You created some some yes. some of your own lighting as well, right? Yes, I did. Crazy. So literally, you can see back in 1979 with my speakers up in the air. Uh, in those days, they had the remember the oscillators. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, in those days, they had the single oscillators. There was no such thing as a as a four oscillator type of banks, what they call them banks. Mm -hmm. So what I did is I went ahead built a box, painted it, and put four oscillators on there. So I had four bank oscillators back in the day, back in 79. Mm -hmm. And then what I did is I went ahead and built another box, put a little plastic reflector, like a, it's almost like a mirror wow. on that. And then I put a beacon in front. And what I did then is I went ahead and the beacon had two, two heads. So when, so when it would spin, the beams would crisscross rather than just go around like that. Right, right. It would crisscross. So you would get this type of effect. And then what I did with my, my uh, four headcopters, I said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and, if you remember the back in the day, they came with like uh, this little gel clip. Gel clips, yeah. Put gels in there. I said, you know what? Let me change it because I, there's, there's this beam coming out. It looks awesome, but... I'm going to go ahead and invest in some the call is, uh, uh, gels that give you more of a, like a, uh, like a line. Mm -hmm. So in other words, what it does is it gives you more of a beam effect rather than so a thinner, a thinner. Yeah. So you create this beam. And what I would do is I put them in my foreheads and sometimes what I would do is I put them vertically. So if you can imagine it, give you this helicopter effect. Wow. So I had four of them, red, green, blue, and white. And then I would flip them. So I'd have one going up and one going reverse. So you'd see these things going back and forth. And people were like. It was awesome, man. Yeah. It was awesome. Man. <laughs> I mean, now, you know, we got these moving heads and stuff and, and, you know, these really great effects. But seriously, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if some of these companies, you know, picked up on, on, on what you were creating back in the day because, I mean, it, definitely your your engineering background, you know, gave you an advantage amongst other DJs, you know. There was a lot of talented DJs back in the day, you know, really good stuff and DJs that also had, you know, large equipment, but you took it to the next level, you know, like these guys, Pegasus, Electra, you know, from, you know, I mean, they had, I mean, I remember going to a hall and feeling the bass while I was standing in line outside, you know, like, boom, boom, and with like an earthquake. And oh, yeah. I, I remember thinking, I, you know, I'm not going to make it as a DJ because I'm, I'm going to lose my hearing tonight. You know, <laughs> like it was so freaking loud. But I mean, they were walls of speakers that you guys used to put up. And I just found it so amazing. And now, like you were talking about, the technology allows us to get that clean bass and just a clean sound with minimal equipment you know and like personally I, I i'm using the rcfs right now and i love the, the how compact they are 
how easy they are to set up and the quality that you get, you know, for when you're doing weddings and, you know, quinceañeras and stuff. And even in large halls, they, they, they got a nice throw. They, they elevate, you know, you got the arrays now, you know, that make it simple as, you know, you don't have to create these monster trucks like you did back in the day. But it's just, it's really helpful, you know, and it's awesome the way, the way it's all evolved. I've had those, uh, the RCF, the E-Box series, right? Pumps. I've had those for over four years. Yeah. And ever since that speaker came out, I go, I got to have this. Yeah. And well, then it came You out. were the reason why I got them, so just FYI. <laughs> well, talk about those, and then I got the larger ones, which are the NX-24s. Wow. have four of the base cabinets, 18s, and four of those. And talk about the sound quality. Oh my God, it's just Great. phenomenal. And the good thing about it, Fernando, is like back in the day, taking all this stuff, it was just a pain, a, a real pain to setting it up. Yeah. Now it's become so compact, like you were saying, and you get this great sound. It doesn't matter if you're 10 feet away or 200 feet away, basically sounds the same. Yeah. So yeah. the efficiency in these speakers, and that, and that they, what they did at RCF is basically uh, spun out the technology of Bose. Mm -hmm. Now, Bose back in the day, back in the 70s, if you kind of remember, they had a uh, rectangular type of speaker, right. but they had a bunch of speakers inside of them. If you take the, the cover off, you saw a bunch of speakers. Yeah. So eventually what they got is they got smart and Bose built their L1 series. But what happened is they weren't powerful enough. You know, they were good, good stereophonic home speakers. Right can use them for DJing, but they just, they just not as, as powerful as like an RCF. And now you see American DJ, Electro Voice, the Evolve system, the, uh, the Maya. So all of these speaker manufacturers are migrating to that, that design of the little mini line yeah, arrays. Yeah. It's awesome. It's crazy, man. So, um, there was, oh man, I, I lost my chain of thought right now. I, I started envisioning <laughs> the, the speakers and stuff. Um, so let's talk about today and your equipment today. So we're going to look at a picture here um, where you got your video screens up and everything. So now, now you've transitioned, you know, from building your own stuff to just getting the proper equipment and, and making it look cool. So one of your specialties now is obviously video mixing. And, and you have an amazing setup because you work it to where your lightings um, enhance the experience of watching the videos. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? So I started becoming a video jock, I want to say back in the 80s. Mm -hmm. um, if you kind of remember a place in uh, Monterey Park called the Turning Point, yes. off of Valley, mm -hmm. what happened is they went ahead and uh, sold all their equipment in fact, I bought their Sewing Vegas. Wow. My, <laughs> those were my first Sewing Vegas. We're talking about 70s, right? Yeah. But they started putting monitors, TV monitors. And I saw these things. I go, oh, my God. That, that is the next phase. That's is, is watching videos, music videos. So then I started working for Acapulco. And if you can remember, back then, they had the VHS tapes. Yes. So you would put them in there. You couldn't mix with them. You would just put them in, play the music play video. Yeah. So eventually, you would you would see them come out on um, on MTV and VH1. Mm -hmm. So that really sparked, you know, an interest in me. I said, you know what? 
in order as a DJ, we have to take that entertainment and basically grow it and become more uh, of an entertainer, not only by playing your music, but the music that you play, but also if you can incorporate graphics and music videos into your system. So I took that technology back then and started migrating it over to today. Now what I do is I go ahead and uh, I kind of came up with the scheme of flying my screen overhead. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you see some of the pictures, the DJ setup is here on the bottom, and then I have the screen on top, and then I have a short, a short throw projector behind me with 128 screens. So whatever I'm playing here, you can see it on the screen. Nice, nice. And, and, and then you, but you still go even bigger than that because you have the large screen, but then you have your monitors off to the side on trussings as well, right? Right. So I have, I have those as well. Um, I don't use the TV monitors as, as often as I, I did before. Mm -hmm. reason being is because now you have to take a truss to house it. Yeah. And then, you know, it's just going to take up more space. Yeah. For me, it was easier to set up 220 inch or 135 inch screens on both sides. The flag flagging me on both sides. I'm in the middle. Right. And projecting it from from the back. That's freaking awesome, man. That's freaking awesome. <laughs> well, like I say, man, you you put on a great show, you know, from some since you started to this day, you know. I mean, now now you're you're still hustling. You're still doing weddings, quinceañeras, and everything else. You're still out there, and you're at a nightclub. Tell us about the club. Well, the club. I basically started doing the clubs. I want to say back in the Turning Point era. And then I went to another uh, club in uh, La Mirada, uh, did that for a while. And then I went to uh, Winston's, which was the Sheraton, for about five years. And then after that, I went to Camacho's, or not Camacho's, but what is the Rumba Room. Rumba Room. And that's where I met you. Yep. And then from there, I went to um, another place called Wings. Wings West Boina. You went there also. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was another nightclub called Peppers. City of Industry, yeah. That, and then Camacho's there. And then I went basically to um, what uh, the Quiet Cannon. So I was DJ at the Quiet Cannon for about 11 years, knock on wood. Yeah. And then from there I went to Trivino's uh, in Covina. Nice. So I've been at Trivino's, knock on wood. I've had a residency there for 11 years. 11 years, man. And the thing with the, the nightclub, and this is for the new newbies, is what's very important is that you continuously evolve. Mm -hmm. You can't stay within the same box. You have to evolve not only in your musical talent, but in the music that you play and reading the crowd and your mixing abilities. No one will last at a club like Studio 54 circus disco without understanding musical structure yeah. and where you're taking the crowd because you have to basically say you know what i'm going to start at this point i'm going to build it i'm going to change it and then build it again change it and build it again and keep everybody you know energized and motivated yeah. that's i mean you can literally and i'll just tell you you can literally burn out a crowd in an hour and a half yeah. At a and, wedding, or quinceanera, you can sit there and just burn them out. 
The important thing is for you to understand music, structure, and pace yourself. Yes, I'm going to go in and play the hits, but I'm also going to play stuff that they love and recognize or didn't hear before, and then also play, you know, just keep it going. Yeah. And you've got to play a variety for everyone. You have yeah. to understand that. Also in the club, the same, same thing. You have to get out of your booth, walk around, see what's around, see what they're grooving to, and then go back in there. Just exactly. Nowadays, what happens is most DJs, and I'm not going to say all of them, they get stuck looking at the computer. Yeah. And they forget about the crowd. Yeah. That's funny because Joe, Joe Bunn was calling it Serato Face. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> You're looking at your computer and you're not. So what happens, Fernando, you know this. To make a commercial, a TV commercial, you have to spend all of this time beforehand yeah. or radio broadcasting. You're in radio broadcasting. Your hour to hour show, the preparation for that might have been six to eight hours, maybe 12 hours, just to put that little show together. Yeah. The same thing should be with your events. You shouldn't just walk in there you know, the, the day that, of the DJ just showing up with two speakers and playing music is long gone. You have to basically be prepared. And why? Because that's going to set you up for the next week, the following week, and the following, following week. That'll set you off apart from the rest of the DJs. Exactly. You know, longevity either in a nightclub or return customer for your, your clients and those that are there because you could potentially get you have 250 to 300 people there. You know, how many times they go, oh, my God, I got to have your card. Right. Yeah. Great. And you know this, Fernando. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's your clientele, not just for for bringing them back to the club, but for your business, you know, when you're, when you're not spinning at the club. And, and nightclubs are interesting, and, and I want to share a, a story. Um, when I was working at the Mayan uh, in downtown, I got let go of that club. They they let me go. And it's interesting the reason why. <laughs> I was playing in the in the room downstairs, okay? It was the smaller room, but I had it packed. I mean, it was packed. I mean, to the point where in the DJ booth we were hot and we were sweating cuz it was so packed. And after I think it was like maybe like 7 months, the owner comes up and tells me, "Hey, brother, thank you, you know what? I I I I'm sorry, but I got to let you go." And I was just like, why you know what's going on you know i mean i've been rocking it and this this and that he says yeah he goes no you've been doing really great he goes but nobody's drinking and i was like what and he goes yeah nobody 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 buys anything at the bar you have them all on the dance floor you don't give them a break and i'm like well i can give them a break if you want he's all oh no you know we're, we're gonna hire somebody else and i was like is there an underlining thing here later on I found that out also you know because you know when i was you know broadcasting live from giggles nightclub in glendale I got really close to the owner and I told him that story and he says, yeah, he goes, we cannot have the dance floor, especially if you have a small room, totally packed and nobody's consuming. That's where we make our money. And so I was like, he goes, he goes, yeah, he goes, if it were me, he goes, I probably would have done the same thing. I probably will let you go to get somebody else that, you know, that does that, you know, but it's interesting how some of these nightclubs operate and stuff. And there are DJs that, that will go to a nightclub and say, no, I can rock it. I can rock it. I can rock it. But it's it's a different monster from a wedding or a quinceanera. So what's right. been your experience with that? How do, how do you handle these situations? Well, for me, it's very important because, like you said, Fernando, if you're not structurally programming your music and rotating your crowd, 
or your clientele, because I call it new blood when people walk in. And if you're not doing a good job playing a variety of music, even though it might be the same, but let's go, you know, let's basically take it from 120 BPMs all the way to 180 and then bring it back down again. You have to rotate your crowd. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of music out there and you can literally burn, burn somebody out and say, like I said, these people are going to a bar. What do they go to the bar for? To meet somebody, to dance, and to drink. Yeah. You burn them out. They've already met a person. They already drank. Bye. See you later. Good night. So you can literally uh, empty a place by 11 o'clock if you don't follow a program structure. Yeah. And that's, that's, a, that's a hard lesson to learn back in the day, Fernando, because yeah. I've been there. Where I, you know, you're rocking, you're rocking, you're rocking, you're rocking. People are going, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great if you have people coming in and going out. Coming right. In and going. right. But if that's your core competency of your your people coming in and they've already had their fill, hey, it's time to get jiggy and we're out of here. That's it. It's on. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. You have to understand the rotation of your music. Yeah. How to work a crowd. That's working a crowd. And again, as I mentioned, walk out of your booth, look around, talk to some people. What do you think? How do you like it? Yeah. Your bartenders are basically the ones who will tell you, hey, you rocked it tonight. But you know what? We sold a lot of alcohol. There you go. Yeah. Uh, there's been nights, Fernando, where I walk out of the Vinos and the bar is literally caked with glasses stacked up. You walk around the perimeter, there's bottles of beer all over the place. You know, you know people freaking had a good time. Yeah, yeah. Last song you play it, and they're like, oh, no, 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 no more. Yeah. more. Yeah. <laughs> and you're already tired because they don't realize that you've been up there, you know, five, six hours, you know, spinning and stuff without a break. And it's like, well, let, me tell, let me tell you something, Brenda. I want to just take five or six hours. Screw that play half an hour, an hour, rock it, and... You're, see, you're gone. Yeah, yeah. I used to work for Boeing, okay? I bounce out of there, Boeing, go to the quiet can and do my happy hour. Wow. From five to nine, five, you know, five to nine, then I would bounce out of there, go to Trevino's and finish off the night from 10 to, to 1.30. Wow. Nonstop. And then the Nonstop. next day you had a wedding. <laughs> and, yeah, the next day I had a wedding. <laughs> Oh my gosh, dude! But, but again, it's it's the music that energizes you. But you have to be yeah. conscientious. Yes, you know you can't. You have to understand alcohol and DJing mixed to a certain degree. But when you take that to the next level and you get drunk at that, forget it. You're done. Yeah, you're done because now you you'll you'll get to the point where in the old days you pick up the wrong needle. Because you're playing the music, right? Yep. And the music stops Stop. because you picked it up. <laughs> yeah. Or you hit the wrong button and, and people are like booing you. You're like, yeah. get that drunk. You're, you're having a, a Howard Stern moment. Oh, no! <laughs> you have to understand that. Yeah, yeah. This is, this is more of a hobby, Fernando. And you understand that because the only way that you can do this is by continuously learning and networking yeah. with other DJs. 
Exactly. Network with other DJs, you not only build your own competency, but you also build that of your fellow camaraderie. And you, you create that. And how do you create that? Just basically keeps you busy, right? Yeah, yeah. You go to these seminars, you go to these workshops. You know, how many DJs do you know actually go to Mobile Beat and go to the classes and take workshops and, and are listening to yeah. what's new, what's going on? You know, technology, how to sell yourself, how to, how to be a better DJ. Because as I mentioned before, if you're stuck back in it and it's not relevant and you're saying, man, I hate the music they're playing right now, blah, blah, that means that you, you're not up to date and relevant to what's going on. Exactly. You know, you have to understand that. Back, back in the 80s when there was the flashbacks, and you know this, Rock and Espanol started just taking off. Mm. Oh my God! And let me tell you, Fernando. I I can't I can't emphasize enough. I really really appreciate the friendship and the knowledge that I gained from you from the Rock and Espanol, the pop stuff that you're playing at Viva and at uh, Rumble Room. Because you know, being an experienced DJ like myself, you have to be humble. Yes. And I was just watching you and I just listening to you. And I mean, talk about you were like, I, I, I seen you as, as, as a DJ that I basically said, you know what? I want to be, be like, oh my this. gosh. And I was the other way around. I was saying, I want to be like Joe. <laughs> oh, because you had the experience, the knowledge, you had the fort, right? You had the mixing talent. You Thank were you. playing relevant stuff to that time. And you haven't stopped. It's been fun. The thing is, it's like you say, I mean, there's got to be a passion. You just, you've got to love it. I mean, since, and it's like you said, you were a kid, you were playing instruments with your family in the backyard, you know, and it's like with me, I mean, I remember the first records that I ever heard was The Beatles and Creedence Clearwater Revival. Those were the two first records that I ever heard when I was a little kid, and I just fell in love with music. And after that, it was like certain songs would give me goosebumps. And and the day that I found out how much passion I had for music was when I went to go see the Phantom of the Opera. And, the, and I didn't think I was going to like it. I was like, I don't want to go to an opera. And then when I heard the music and the voices, I was like, oh, I was like blown away. And that's when I knew that the, the music was definitely inside of me, you know. And it, it's something that DJs nowadays, sometimes they get a little lost in translation because of social media and everything out there. And they see these DJs being all cool and stuff like that. But it's more than that. You know, it's it's a lot more than that. I mean, like big DJs, you know, Tiesto, you know, Cascade and all these guys, you know, Dead Moss, you know, they they um, they go out there and they take their passion for music, not just in DJing, but in producing music and creating, you know, and and that's something that is a lot of hard work it's not just party have a good time you know it is a lot of hard work you know i mean you know that i used to do remixes and stuff when i was back at viva and i would be hours i mean literally i would get to my studio at 9 30 and i was out of there like 3 4 in the morning the next day from just doing you know a remix and i wasn't even done that was just the first day the first session so it, it, it's crazy you know you know the, the the amount of work that goes into it and when you're starting off as a dj the first things first you got to practice awesome. you know you definitely got to practice you got to know your music like 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 you've been saying and it's very very important that 
you know that that you you really are passionate about it especially if you're going to start a business now if you want to do it as a hobby that's cool you know what i mean and do it every now and then to each all his own but if you're thinking of, of having a business you got to treat it as a business and you have to learn the ins and outs of everything not just mixing but your equipment how does everything work if something goes wrong how do you troubleshoot that problem you know if you're using video screens you know do you have the right cabling all that stuff you have to know every single little minute detail and that's what i love about you is that you're very very meticulous right. on everything that you do um i mean i've seen your setups and everything is clean today you got these masses uh you know screens up there and you don't see a wire anywhere unlike the old days where there were wires everywhere because you know? we had no choice you know? you'll see a bunch of wires all over yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, it's crazy. So we're we're coming about to the end of our little segment here. Um, I wanted to go back to what we were talking about and your relationship with Vicky Carr. I, you know, you related to her and stuff. Um, it's funny how certain things come full circle. And it's like, I, I, as you know, I helped produce the Mariachi USA Festival at the Hollywood Bowl every year. Unfortunately, we didn't have it this year because of COVID-19 and stuff. But every year uh, for the last, gosh, 11 years I've been helping produce that show and it's a huge mariachi show here in Southern California and people from all over the nation come to check it out and Vicky Carr was one of the guests there and it's interesting because I was able to meet her she is also one of my parents favorite artists they loved her and I remember I invited them over they got to meet her real quick meet and greet and stuff so interesting how this all intertwines between you and I, man. There's a definite connection between us, you know? Yeah, Mickey Carter, uh, again, a lot of people from back in the day know her. She's, she's like, uh, in, in uh, God rest her soul, Selena. Mm -hmm. She was like a Selena back in the day where all, all the Latinos, the Tejanos, when she would go and basically appear at a concert, they would flood that concert and make yeah. them feel some in there because, you know, they they love the music. Yeah, they love beautiful music. voice, beautiful voice, and the artistry behind it, Fernando. I mean, you know that, but she was like one of the, one of the few females that was accepted in that. Mm -hmm. Her actual last name was Carbona. Her uh, dad, my uncle, was uh, Carlos, and then uh, Lorenza, mm -hmm. my aunt, were their parents. But uh, you know, it was Carbona. But they, you know, the producer said, "Oh, you got to change your name." And, <laughs> Bring it down a little bit. Tone it down just a little bit. <laughs> All right, brother. So what what would you say your your last bit of advice to to any you know up and coming DJ that might be watching this video? What what is your 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 biggest advice at this point for them? My biggest advice would just stay relevant. It doesn't matter because nowadays you have to incorporate not only sound, but possibly if you do mobile, lighting, so learn DMX. If, uh, if you elevate to the next level, which is video region, then that's another whole you know, level. But what's most important is that you understand your equipment and how to troubleshoot it and learn the software behind it. And also, don't be afraid to go and check out other guys. Nowadays, with all the streaming, oh, my God, you see these guys and you're like, wow, you're amazed. Yeah what they're doing with the technology. Young young people as well as, you know, OGs like ourselves that are taking it to the next level. 
I mean, it's already been done, the scratching, the sampling, everything else. But now, can you blend music perfectly? Can you harmonize? Can you keep the crowd going beyond that hour, the two hours, the three hours, the four hours, the six hours? We're talking about overtime, baby. Yep. And that's for you. So keep in mind, pace yourself. That's one thing that, and know your music. Know your music. That's it. Brother, it's been amazing having you as my first guest here on DJ to DJ. I really appreciate you. I respect you highly. God bless you. Um, give out your, your social info. So if anybody wants to reach out to you and check your stuff out and see where, where they can find you. Okay, you can find me on, on uh, Facebook as Casillas Joe. On my Instagram, uh, DJ, underscore Joe and D. And then uh, you don't need to know all the other social media. <laughs> 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 you got Twitter and stuff, but that's, that's enough. You can get to me from uh, my, either my Instagram and my, my Facebook. There you go. Awesome. Uh, I'm open-minded and mostly helpful to everyone. And as you know, Fernando, we have this uh, Manudo Meetup which I created 10 years ago and we're over 700 members. Nice. And, and the Manula meetup, I mean that right now, obviously because of COVID, you're not having the actual meetings because you, uh, the Manula meetup, they, they actually have DJ meetings where DJs get together. They collaborate. You've had, um, guest DJs, you've had Egyptian lover there, uh, you know, people Rodriguez and, 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 you know, several DJs that actually come in and spin for the other DJs and talk about their experience. So that's really cool. Where can, uh, DJs find, the Menudo Meetup. Uh, go to the uh, Menudo Meetup on Facebook and type it in and I'll uh, go ahead and add you. Awesome. Awesome. Brother, again, thank you so much. God bless you. I really appreciate you and we're going to be in touch. You know how that is. Thank you, Fernando. All right. Thanks for joining us here on our first edition of DJ to DJ. We'll be having more guest DJs coming real soon. I hope you guys uh, be sure to subscribe to this page and uh, hit that little bell button so that we get... Um, more hits and more uh, guest DJs for you. Appreciate you guys. Have a great, safe, safe day. Talk to you soon.